Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to be with you all this morning, if not in person, and may we meet under uh, better circumstances in the future. We'll see. But it's still good to be with you uh, in your living room this morning and wherever you are. Um, last time I was with you guys, uh, exactly two months before uh, the virus hit, I think I was with you all January 12th, and then I think the um, everything, all the quarantining began, I think, on March 12th, uh, right after that. And here we are on July 12th. What do you know? Um, I, it was exactly two months before that, and I, I remember I got to go to the high school meeting uh, the Sunday night right before everything went down. I, my guess is it was one of the last events that you all got to do together. That was a blast, hanging out with everybody. If any high school students are tuning in this morning, it was great to be with you guys. Uh, right before we actually had to shut ourselves in, and hopefully I'll get to see you all sometime soon as well. Um, obviously, we've all experienced um, some pretty dramatic life alterations the past four months. Our family is doing well, and we hope that you are as well. Um, no one I know has passed away from COVID-19, uh, but I have friends who have lost somebody. And we were actually able to get away uh, and have a little vacation time as a family up in Maine, uh, which actually is a state that ha until recently and hopefully still has not received a lot of, um, a lot, hasn't had a lot of COVID-19 cases uh, in it. And we did our part in social distancing, wearing masks, washing hands, uh, and all of that kind of thing. And more on that in a moment. I'll be sharing a bit from that vacation. Uh, for Greater Than Ministries, uh, which as Joe shared, I'm the director, uh, this has been a very interesting season. Uh, I learned how to run Zoom meetings very quickly. And uh, had always had, they'd always kind of been there and I never really thought, okay, what am I gonna do with this? Uh, I've been meeting with teens and young adults in Zoom for the past four months. Uh, I ran a Zoom class on the Enneagram, uh, which we were supposed to do a live one here at the church this past April, and then we had to shift gears, and I, and I uh, did one for about five weeks in May and June, and I'm probably going to do another one this fall. I know a few people were interested, uh, would love to know if you are interested in being part of that. Maybe we'll find a better day of the week uh, for people. Um, and with summer camps eliminated, uh, instead, I'm planning a Zoom, mostly Zoom experience for high school students in August. So we'll see about that. Some of you were interested in coming to The Voice. Uh, there may yet be an opportunity to do something. So you may be hearing from me, uh, or maybe you actually have gotten my emails about it, but would love to talk with you to see if you still want to be on board with uh, The Voice experience. Probably the week of August 17th to 21st is what we're looking at. I'll keep you posted, but we'd love to have you be part of it, high school students. Um, my view has had to be this. Don't focus on what we can't do uh, this summer. Instead, we have to find the ways to do what God is calling us to do. It's just the nature of the time, you know, and I'll talk about that in a bit. So as Joe said, uh, we're talking about a house built on rock here, the foundations of what we believe if we follow Jesus. So last week, Joe shared a foundation of Christianity 
grace. The idea of grace. Grace is so foundational to what we believe. I don't even know my own sin. I don't know my own brokenness. There's things I know, but there are things I don't know that I'm doing. And yet, God offers us what we haven't earned and we don't deserve. Jesus' death on the cross removes any pride from my relationship with God. Uh, how can I possibly boast uh, when my God had to hang on a cross to save me? So that kind of puts a lot of things in perspective. It really, the initiation of this relationship was 100% God's. We can only choose to accept it. But then, let's, um, <clears throat> let's see if this clicker thing is working. Here we go. So, um, this is the, a verse that I'm using to bridge last week to this week. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If you want to read it out loud at home with me, feel free. But it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love, I love that scripture. So that kind of bridges grace and faith. You know, last week Joe focused on the idea of grace. Again, of this idea that God initiated the relationship. He gave up his life to save us. There's nothing any of us can do to earn it. This week we're looking at faith. So we're saved by grace, but through faith. And I'd like to read another passage. I'm going to take us into Hebrews 11. And I'm going to take this apart in a bit, but the first verse says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So then the author takes us through this long history of faith in the story of Israel. I'm not going to give you every single piece of it, but I'm going to share some of the examples, some of the prime examples in here. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Noah, when mourned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she had welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient 
It goes on and on of this massive list. And even the writer of Hebrews says, I don't even have time to get into all these people. So he actually pauses. I'll come back to these in a moment. So our family just came from vacation in Acadia National Park. Maybe you've been there. Uh, we've become National Park fans. We're, we've only hit a few of them, but that was amazing. Um, I want to show you a view. Isn't that gorgeous? I mean, there's a lot of dramatic ocean terrain, um, like this kind of thing, up and down the Pacific coast. Uh, but we're not used to this in Maryland. Where, when we go to the beach, it's like cornfields. After the Bay Bridge, it's cornfields. Another field, another cornfield. Oh, there's the ocean. That's kind of how it works for us. But on the Pacific coast, you have a lot of stuff like this. But only Maine has terrain like this along America's Atlantic coast. Um, but I want to tell you, this pullover, this view was not a pullover along the Park Loop Road. The weight of this view, you had to kind of earn it. And it was this thing called the Beehive Trail. Many of you are going, what? A few of you who may have actually been on this might be going, oh man, that's serious. So let me show you a few pics. This is not your little hike through the woods. Oh, there's a nice little white blaze. Blazes are the things you see on the trees that tell you that you're on trail. Um, it's not that kind of little hike. There's a little bit in the woods, but this is what it starts to look like pretty quickly. It gets a little rocky and a little bit steep. Uh, then it gets a lot steep. This, this, yes, this is you need rungs to hold on to kind of steep. You're pulling yourself up the mountain kind of thing. Then it gets even more steep. That view is looking straight up the mountain. Straight up there, just it, like there's more rungs. You see those blue blazes on there telling you where the trail goes. And if you weren't ready for this, you're thinking, wait a second, the trail goes up there? You're kidding, right? And it's as if the mountain is saying back to you, nope, that's the trail, genius. <laughs> yep. But if the upward view feels a little shaky to you, check out the downward view. That's looking back down the trail. Uh, towards the ocean and towards Sand Beach. Yes, there's a place called Sand Beach. Yeah. So, uh, but that's looking back down the trail. And here is a picture of my wife, Lindsay, coming up behind me. As you're looking straight back. Oh, yeah. Lindsay, if you're watching at home, you just got applause. I thought you should know that. So, uh, truthfully, now... It's not as direct of a fall as you would think, but you do need to know what you're doing. Um, the pictures make it look a lot crazier than it really is, but it is pretty serious. Before I, should, I show you this next picture, you, I, you should know two things. One, Eliza actually posed for this picture, our 10-year-old our daughter Eliza, and said, Daddy, get a picture of me looking scared. And there she is with Lindsay. She actually asked me to get that picture. You're watching at home. Love you, pumpkin. 
<laughs> but that's what she did. And then the second thing you need to know is we did not force her to do this trail, okay? The, uh, there were a lot of other kids on it, actually, a whole bunch of kids, and she begged us to do it. She was, we were like, Eliza, it's going to be a big climb, okay, with steep cliffs, and once you start, you can't go backwards. It's one way, because that would be too dangerous. And she said, I know, let's do it, Daddy. And then we're up high, and she looks down. And she's like, Daddy, this is a big climb with steep cliffs. And me being the sensitive daddy I am, I was like, oh, yeah. So I know, father of the year, right? Yeah, it's me. But let me go back to a previous pick. Um, why do you think I share this story to get us thinking about faith? Think of all the ways faith comes into play here. While hiking, when you're hiking the beehive, it's a great illustration. I told Eliza how I was going to be teaching about faith and using the beehive hike as an example. And this was just her picking it up. She said, Daddy, it's kind of how I had to have faith in you uh, to protect me when we climbed and that you would show me the next place to step or um, grab the rungs right or lean into the mountain. And I said, yeah, that's exactly it. Sharp kid. And, um, but it wasn't only Eliza's faith. It was my faith too. See, as I'm going up there, I'm having faith that whoever designed this was not sick in the head. Okay? I'm, that they knew what they were doing. That if I grabbed one of those rungs in the rock, it wasn't suddenly going to pop out. Ah, how am I going up now? Oh, wait, everybody behind me is backed up. No one can go down the mountain. Ah, okay, hopefully it's going to stay in. Or that the blazes would guide us where we were supposed to go. It wasn't going to suddenly take us off of the cliff or something awful or more horrific than that. So faith is like hiking the beehive. Remember, it's what we said at the beginning in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's being sure of what you haven't seen, but what you hope for. Being sure of it. So, I want to give this talk in the present tense to us. Faith does two things, I think. It leans us backward into the comfort of how God has come through for us. But faith also calls us forward into the unknown. God himself as our only certainty. So it leans us backward into how he's come through before, but also calls us forward into the unknown. God himself as our only certainty. What do I mean by that? God himself as our only certainty. I mean that God takes away what we put faith in so that our faith can only be in him. Okay, I'm going to kind of say that again just with this point. God takes away what we put our faith in so that our faith can only be in him. Let's look at that Hebrews 11 passage again. 
The author of Hebrews, by the way, he was very unclear. There's a lot of question of whether it was Paul or somebody else uh, who wrote it. But the author wasn't recounting the history of Israel for his audience just so that they could know, hey, Israel's leaders once had faith. He was challenging his listeners to have faith in the present. Let's look at a few examples of what I mean. Like, like we all know the story of Abraham and Isaac. And we know how it, as difficult as it must have been, he was prepared to obey, Abraham was prepared to obey God even to the point of sacrificing his own son. And we know God showed up big time. Isaac lived, God provided the ram, etc., etc. But Abraham didn't know. He thought his son was a goner until the moment God stopped his knife. That's faith. Or we know how God instructed Joshua to march the Israelites around the city of Jericho for the week. One time each day, three, here's four, here's five, here's six. And then on the seventh day, to march them around seven more times, three, four, five, six, seven. And then on the last time, have everybody give a shout. Okay, we know God caused these ridiculously thick walls of Jericho to collapse and to lead to a major victory for Israel. But all Joshua had was a list of instructions. Okay, walk around the city over and over and shout. How's that going to lead to a victory? But he took the step of faith. See, we read these stories in retrospect. Every difficult decision appears obvious in retrospect. Every difficult decision appears obvious in retrospect. So, and I'll get a little bit into how God's worked in my life here. And I do this so that you can think about ways God has come through in your story. I'd love for you to hear these, but not just hear my story, but reflect on your own as we do this. Many of the greatest, most obvious victories of my testimony, of my walk with Jesus, were anything but obvious at the time. When I was a senior at St. Paul's School uh, years ago, um, I made a decision. We had chapel every week. I went there for 12 years. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it, it was Christian, but it was more what you might call a parochial school. It wasn't one where everybody, where everybody was a Christian. In fact, a few people were, but a lot like people who really were following uh, deeply. There were a lot of people who were not. And I made a decision to share my testimony in chapel just a few weeks before I graduated. That was the only time I actually heard the whole, this is how you can have a relationship with God through Jesus preached at St. Paul's in 12 years after like hundreds of those things. But what happened was a friend of mine uh, actually recorded my message on audio tape. That tells you how long ago it was. So he recorded it on audio tape and gave it to me afterwards. And I gave it to my youth pastor uh, to check out. And he said, oh, that's really cool, Jay. I'm glad that you did this. Uh, he called me up that evening, and he and his wife said, 
we're both crying because your testimony was so real and so deep. And like they were crying about it and saying, this is really cool. Can we copy this? And they made copies of it. The next thing I heard, youth pastors around the Baltimore area were hearing this and sharing it with their students. I was only been into God for a few years myself. Then I ended up hearing from a guy in Philadelphia. Hey, I heard a copy of your testimony. I'd like to have you come and teach at our camp. I'm going, wait, my story that I shared that day in front of a couple hundred students at my school ended up reaching a lot more lives than I even knew. Uh, Like in places throughout the mid-Atlantic. I had no idea that God would use it that way. Because at the time, I was alone with my thoughts right before that, like a few days before the message, I was going, God, I don't think I should do this. If I do, will I make a fool of myself? Will I make people think that being a Christian is a joke if I do this? Oh, see, it was obvious in retrospect that God was going to use it. But it was a step of faith at the time. Another one is uh, another example of this. In my 22 years in Youth for Christ, many people have known that my, probably my biggest victory, I got to be part of conferences, running clubs at schools, lots of cool leader training things, all kinds of good stuff that happened. But my biggest victory and my favorite piece of it was starting the camps at Cape Penelope in Delaware. First it was Get a Life Week for middle school kids, then Crossroads for middle school, and then The Voice for high school. Hundreds of students have heard the gospel at Cape Penelope and at our camps. Dozens I know of prayed to receive Jesus there. They all experienced reflection and learning to listen for God, especially at sunset reflections. A lot of them said, I, we get, we're going to go and spend time watching the sunset over the water? That sounds weird. And most of them said, looking back, sunset reflections was their favorite part of the week. That was their favorite thing all camp. The part they would remember the most was just being quiet with God on the beach. So it's, it's had an enormous impact. I know some students who are walking with God because of it today. I know some students who are kind of not sure where they are with God, but at the time, or maybe have doubts about where they are, but they say that's one thing that they hold on to and they do remember as being a point where God seemed real. Um, but at the time, before I started them, there were a few YFC staff people who looked at me and said, basically, Jay, that's not how we've done things. Doing a camp where there's a reflection on a beach, um, like going deeper, why are you trying this? Why don't you just stick with what we got going on now? And fortunately, Bob Arnold um, said to me, he had asked some hard questions, but he said, you know, Jay, he, I know he's spoken at this church too, um, and he's been a mentor figure of mine uh, for years. And he said, you know, Jay, if you really feel God calling you to do it, you got to do it. And when we arrived at camp that first week ever, it was Monday, June 28th, 1999. That's when it was. I arrived there. It was 96 degrees. We had no air conditioning. 
um, we were still figuring out the camp boundaries, like what kind of rules should we have? Oh my gosh, kids are flying this way, this way. We have to kind of put it together. It was chaos. Um, and I found myself going, is this even going to work? I remember this was the perfect part of it. As we drove into camp the first time, June 28th, 1999, there was a girl, I think her name was Amanda, who was riding in my car, and they saw the place where we were going to be doing camp, which is just kind of a really, it's, it's kind of old converted army barracks. There's nothing fancy about it when you pull in. Uh, but you're right by the ocean. We use a lot of cool things in the area. But we pulled in, and she saw the barracks, and she went, this is it? And I love the fact that that was the statement that started our camps. This is it? And, and, the, and just knowing the impact God's had over the years with it. Oh. And I shared the gospel that night with the students. And I had a girl who came, who ran up to me while I was, we were hurting the girls this way, the boys this way for bed. And she ran up and yelled, Jay, I gave my life to Jesus tonight. Thank you, thank you. This is so cool. And I found myself going, thank God, maybe he will work through this. I had no idea how many students these camps would touch over the years. Again, obvious in retrospect, right? But in 1999, it was a huge step of faith. Over the years going to those camps, every single time I went, every single time, in sometime in the week or so before camp, I found myself going, I can't believe we're doing this. This is crazy. I found myself under attack, wondering, oh, why am I even doing these camps? This is, this is going to be a mess. Something's go, catastrophic is going to happen. Oh, and every time, God used it. So every time has been a step of faith. Then as I've told many of you in the messages here, in the fall of 2017, so just two and a half years ago, God used a few jolts of frustration to show me that he was calling me out of youth for Christ. I was, at the time, I was so overwhelmed. I had to take a week to just go away and listen to God's voice. 2018, after that, was a year in the wilderness for me. As recently as 2015, five years ago, I really thought I was going to retire in Youth for Christ. I thought I was in it for the long run. And now, everything seemed to be up in the air and I didn't know what to do. This is kind of what my faith felt like at that moment. It wasn't until fall of 2018 that my next step became clear. And God started connecting me with new people Thank God for Pastor Joe Miller here. We had met, actually, I think at the end of 2017, we'd connected. But he's been a great friend and advocate through this transition. And there have been many others God's connected me with uh, in this. As if to say, you just had to take the step of faith. And I was going to put the people around you. And 
Then in February of 2019, um, Greater Than Ministries began. God provided the setup support, uh, the 501c3, all of that actually through a group that Joe Miller actually suggested, um, the Star Church group. Uh, that was huge. And God's given me opportunities. He's opened doors to connect with teens, young adults. I've had people joining up as supporters. We still need more people on board financially, but it's been happening. It's great to see it happening. In retrospect, it was so obvious that as much as I love the people in Youth for Christ, it was time for me to take a new step. It was time to go. But for a long time, it was anything but obvious. It was a step of faith. Now let me pause for a second. Again, I tell you these stories because I hope that you can begin to see ways that God has come through in your life. What steps of faith have you taken? Where have you seen God's faithfulness when you trusted him? Was there a job change that you went through? Is there a situation where maybe as a parent, you had to make a big choice on behalf of your son or daughter? If you're a student, maybe a decision you had to make about a friendship or a relationship, and it felt like, God, are you, are you with me? Will you still be with me if I make this choice? Or a college decision. Maybe a financial decision you had to make at some point. Maybe to buy something or to sell something or whatever it was because of, just because there was a need and you saw God leading you towards something different. Or maybe for some of you it was just to come to this church or uh, more recently to just check out these services online. Um, Pastor Joe Miller has told me that there have been some people who have jumped on and checked out these services who might not otherwise have come here uh, beforehand, but because they're offered online, you may be checking these out. That was a step of faith, wasn't it? Or have you ever been through something discouraging, even tragic, where faith was all you could hold on to? Did you sense Jesus carrying you? through that? Did you know he was the one giving you sustenance at that time? Faith is, it's so crucial for us to remember, to lean back into how God showed up for us in the past. Just like those listeners in Hebrews 11 going, yeah, God did show up. That's right. I'm so glad I remember uh, the story of Joshua, yeah, that's good to remember. I needed to hear that. But as we said before, faith is not just about leaning back. Just when I was starting to feel comfortable in my new job in Greater Than Ministries, COVID-19 happened. Ugh. And I was happily telling everybody stories of how, you know, you just got to have faith in God He's going to carry you through. And then God says, hold up. I'm calling you to faith again, Davies. And I'm like, 
All right. Okay. God often gives us reminders of his faithfulness because he's about to challenge us again. Really, every day is a step of faith. Everything we go, every moment, every choice in a way is a step of faith. It may seem like a small one, but it's there. That's still a step of faith. And therefore, God is always reminding us, he's giving us reminders of the past so that he can challenge us now towards something else. That can sound unloving. Like, God, why are you doing this to me? Ah, except that God knows that true contentment comes only by walking with him. God doesn't want to put us to put our faith in circumstances. Circumstances change. God does not change. So I want to take us back to Hebrews one more time here. And this is in the middle of that passage in Hebrews 11. And I love that he just, in the middle of his discourse, he throws this in. And he says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, every human instinct pushes away the things God wants. I want easy. God wants to challenge me. I want comfort. I even sometimes want stasis. God wants to keep me moving. Sometimes when I want to be moving, God wants me to be quiet and to be still. I want to think I know it all. God says, keep learning. I want to keep learning. God says, no, apply what you've learned. Do it. I want the glory. God humbles me. I can have false humility, and God says, no. I'm lifting you up. This happens so much. So, as we're kind of bringing this to a conclusion, I talked before about leaning back into how God has come through for us in the past. I asked you to reflect on where you've seen God move in your life. It's important to remember how he's moved. But now I want to ask you to look into the fog. What things in your life feel like this right now? July 12th, 2020. It's kind of like us looking up the rocky trail at the beehive in Acadia. What things have you put faith in? that now seem anything but certain? Is there a chance that the only voice in the fog is God's voice? Is this only an opportunity for catastrophe, whatever it is that you're looking at through the fog? Are you sure it's not an opportunity for faith. 
I'd like to have a moment of quiet for you to pray and just kind of ask for God's presence in it. If you're still doubting and you need to take the step, that God would give you the courage to do what he's calling you to do. If, if you're actually taking the step, that you would feel God's encouragement, his support with you saying, yeah, keep going, don't give up. So I'd like to have a moment just for you to reflect on that. And then I'll have a closing thought, and then I'll pray, and then we can bring up the worship team again. So let's just keep it quiet for a moment to reflect on what God's saying to us through this fog. I want to give this to you as a thought, and then I'll pray for us. Through the grace of God, he saved you from your sin on the cross. Through faith, he saves you every day from everything else you've put your faith in. Let me pray. God, we thank you for going in between. Thank you for coming in and stepping in the gap to save us. But thank you that you then call us into the gaps and you challenge us beyond what we trusted before. I pray you'd meet each of us where we are with the step we have to take in faith and give us the courage to actually believe these stories enough to actually take the steps ourselves. To not just think about them as nice stories, but to actually do it. I pray that for myself and for New Hope Church and for every person who hears this. And that you would give us the sign that you're with us as much as we need when we take that step to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.